0: I thank God that all of us were able to come back from the feast. They're safe. You know, we were safe, and God did bless us all, and we prayed about that situation, and we serve a loving, kind God who invites us, as you all know, to his feast site, that we can enjoy each other for eight glorious days where we come out of the world. We're not part of the world for those eight days, and we come back. We're just filled with power almost. You need to tell the difference in the singing here. I believe we sang better this afternoon when we have 250 here. Because everybody's up. They're looking forward to all the things they heard at the feast become a reality as well. The prophet Daniel, in one of his prophecies, he wrote, Many would run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. You read that in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. He didn't say understanding would be increased with that knowledge. He said knowledge would be increased. Now, what good is knowledge if you don't understand it? Now, the United States of America, the world has grown in knowledge. People run to and fro, but they don't understand it. But could this also apply to God's church? Our knowledge is increased. How that we may be going to and fro, trying to find out which congregation we like to be in. On the internet, all of these things are are there, disposable. Is it because we don't have understanding, or do we understand? Knowledge is given, but we have to understand how to apply it. And God has to give us that understanding. But if we only have knowledge... We have knowledge that this is the true church of God. We have knowledge of that. We have knowledge about the Sabbath day. We have knowledge there is only one body with many members. We have that knowledge. We have the knowledge of who is the head of the church, and that's Jesus Christ. We understand that. So we have that understanding that keeps us anchored to our beliefs where well, we don't go all over the Facebook trying to find out what others believe, why do we care? As long as we understand what we believe. Why do we believe, under, care what China believes about their gods? as long as America understands what they should be doing? Now, that all started with a, <laughs> Sputnik back in the 1950s, and all of a sudden the United States were asleep. though so they started then trying to, build a plan to put a man on the moon, put a man in space, and I was part of that program. I saw the knowledge. I saw some of these top scientists come together, top engineers. I mean, they were all there. They were intelligent. And when they put their one mind to do that, they accomplished that. But it took everybody, just like God's church, We can accomplish anything with God if we have that oneness, that mind of Jesus Christ. And when he said, let this mind be in you, he didn't say a Filipino mind. He didn't say a northerner mind, a southerner mind, a woman's mind. It's the mind of Christ that we're all striving to be like. Jesus the Christ Christ. He is our understanding. The holy time is understanding. The feast is our understanding. That's how we understand God's great plan, because we'll keep His feast and keep His Sabbath day. There's understanding in the Sabbath day, as God gives it to us, and we want to understand that as well. So we live in a materialistic world, minded society. People today don't have much faith in God. And you talk to people, my neighbors, they don't have much faith in God. They very seldom ever talk about God. Their faith is in something else. Getting Can't get enough of good things. So people today don't have much faith in God, His power. They pay Him lip service. Lip service, brethren. Now, if we go back to the time when I first came to church 51 years ago, what happened to the people who are supposed to have understanding? What happened to that knowledge? What happened? They thought they understood. They had the knowledge, but they let it slip away. Where are they today? Well, some are dead. Some are alcoholics. Some have committed suicide. And yet they thought they understood God's purpose, God's knowledge. And they kept searching and searching and searching and searching I mentioned before that sometimes we'll get telephone calls, I do, and uh, from people around the world, around the, across the United States, and they ask the question Does your church believe what I believe? I said, No. Just a direct answer. We don't believe what you believe. Do you believe what we believe? And that's the key isn't upcoming to services, do you believe what we believe? If we don't believe like you believe, you believe like we believe, then we have the understanding of God's great plan, his salvation, us to be born into the family of God and live with him forever. How process is that knowledge? And sometimes, brethren, we can just take it for granted. We can let other things slip in our lives. That just takes away that knowledge of pain, of suffering. And these things are something that are more important than what God wants us to do. The world emphasizes get. i got to get something. I don't have enough. And so God is not trusted in this materialistic world. Is the layout of sin error being set up by this? I'm increased with knowledge, have need of nothing, and yet no understanding that they were miserable, blind, helpless. They don't understand that, apparently. They're just that way. Apparently, that's the way of their life. It's the way it's always been. It never has changed. Well, I didn't have any knowledge before God called me, before I heard Mr. Armstrong, and I did not have any understanding And I was miserable and didn't even know it. I was empty and didn't even know it. So I substituted for that. But never found satisfaction. Always wanting more. I'd smoke. I would drink. Trying to find satisfaction. And couldn't find it. Until God opened my mind and my heart to understand His Word. Not just the knowledge, but to understand it. What God required of me. What he's asking of me. Am I willing to pay the price? That's what he said. Are you willing to pay the price to be my son? It's not going to be easy. It's going to cost you. It could even cost you your family. It could cost you the job. But are you willing to pay the price? Do you love your family more than me? Which one do you love? The most your mother, father, sisters, brothers, sons, daughters than me. So I had to answer that question God was going to be first in my life, and I've always tried to put Him first in my life, but not always been successful. But I know I serve a merciful God who can forgive, who knows you're trying, and I know you know that about yourself as well. That we have that understanding about our Savior. Not only knowledge about Him, but understanding that He understands what we're going through. So we have to keep ourselves, see. We have to keep reminding ourselves that we're not in the kingdom of God yet. I don't think we are in the kingdom of God yet. So the Apostle John warns those who have God's Holy Spirit. Love not the world, not the things of the world, not the knowledge of the world. So you've got to be careful. Not the knowledge. A lot of it is going by feelings instead of facts. Love not that. You turn to John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, as he recorded the prayer of Jesus, verse 8 well, verse seven. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. Now they have known that all things, all things that you have given me. Then he goes on and shows, for I've given them, given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them and have known surely. That I came forth from you. Okay, now you see how positive Christ was? Well, did Peter really know it at that time? Did he really know it? Did the apostles know it? Did they go back fishing? Did they just give up? Well, he's gone. Let's go back to our old trade. Let's go fishing again. See what we can do. But Jesus knew. And even, we'll read a little bit later on, where. Simon Peter. Peter said, okay, Simon, Satan is after you. And when you have served well, then you come back to me, then I want you to feed the brethren. You see, Peter had to be taken over by Satan there for a while to learn a lesson, a tremendous lesson. I hope Satan is not after me or go to Christ So let me have Bob Lee for a while. Let me have old so-and-so for a while. Like Simon. He wanted Simon, who was going to be the leader at that time. Simon, let me have him, Satan said. And Jesus let him let that happen for Simon's sake. So Simon could see himself. He didn't have the understanding. He had the knowledge. But you see, that understanding had to be open to their minds. The Scriptures had to be open to the mind, as you read that in Luke 24. So this Jesus is showing here, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now, do we spend more time praying for each other than the world? Our unconverted people? How do we spend our time? Like Jesus spent his time talking to his father about the plan, giving the plan to his disciples and those whom he would call. How much time do we spend? You know, I'm not worried about the world being converted. I'm worried about me being converted. It's my calling, it's my time to be called, to be converted. It's not the world's time, it's not my family's time at the present time. But do we love everybody the same way God loves everybody or is it just uh, my family and I don't care about anybody else? As long as I get my children saved, I don't care about anybody else. And we have to think about those things as we go on through life, as we become more like God, and it's not easy. It's very difficult. Jesus said it would not be easy for us. It's not easy sometimes packing for the feast, especially packing to come home. It's not easy. Lose sleep is not easy. But we learn. We come back happy. Why? Because we've been with God and His people for those wonderful eight days. Eight days together, talking about our hardships, talking about our calling, talking about the church we attend. Talking about the sermons that God has inspired for us to learn and listen to in those times. So so Jesus said he doesn't pray for the world. He prays for us. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. So this world that we live in, not part of, foundation is built upon the sand of Satan. And brethren, when it falls, it's going to fall quickly. I mean, quickly, when it falls, it'll come falling down. And uh, because why? Well, as we heard in the sermonette, there are no guardrails. We can't fall with it. We have to know the prophecies, as we've been taught for years and years about the prophecies. What's going to happen? We have to trust God. We have to wait upon God. We can't get ahead of God. We are His elect. We are His chosen ones. And for our sake, our sake, he's going to cut the day short. Our sake, not for the world's sake. He said, for our sake. The elect is one who prays and studies and fasts and puts his heart into God's work, helping God's people and his church. They're the chosen ones to be like Christ, to be in the family of Christ, with God the Father as well. So it's going to be come toppling down. And, you know, things happen. You don't expect it. The other day, not too long ago, the neighbor next door to us, my wife heard the, you know, the ambulance and the fire department, and they were out there, and she was noticing. She didn't know what had happened, and she called me, and I didn't know what to do or what happened. The policeman there stayed about two or three hours. Well, she went to the grocery store and came back and found her husband dead. But she came back. And that was such a shock to her. A tremendous shock. She didn't know that was going to happen. But it's a shock to her. And, of course, the policemen, they always check it out and say, be sure nobody murdered somebody. They stay there. They look at everything. What kind of medicines you take and all of this. And they want to be absolutely sure. But it's such a shock to this lady. So my wife, you know, we had some... Turkey sandwiches and all she made for her. And I went over and talked to her a little while. And and I didn't know her that well, really. But she put her arms around me, and uh, just like I was a close friend of hers. She was reaching out, reaching out to people. She needed somebody. She just lost her mate. And she was if such a shock to find him like that. Happy one minute, dead the next minute. And I talked to several widows at the feast. Experience some of the same things. A shock. And they're living with it. It's a reality. And they made up their minds that nothing would stop them from being a part of God's work. Part of God's work. In Matthew chapter 7, we read in Matthew 7, in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, does that mean that people can't hear? Or does it mean that we're dull of hearing? Does it mean that we've heard it so many times over and over and over? It doesn't have an impact on us. And does them, and see, does them. Now that proves that you hear when you do something. If you don't do it, do you hear? Okay, we heard many, many things at the feast. I made up my mind that I was coming back to rededicate my life to, to God and make some changes in my life. Because I'm not satisfied with it. I'm never satisfied with it. Now I can either do something because I heard it or I can let it go. One of the two. That's my decision. My decision is to rededicate. My life to Christ, as long as I'm living. To be used by Him in any way He can use me. So I I will liken Him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Okay, when we do something, it makes us wise. If we don't do anything, we remain unwise. Doing takes work. It's hard work. When you make up your mind to do something... But it makes you wise. You like wisdom. Why? Because then you have understanding when you do it. You may have the knowledge of driving a car, but do you understand how? You may have a knowledge of certain things. I mean, I have knowledge about cooking. Do I have the understanding about cooking? No. You see? I'm saying that in front of all of you, so I'm not going home. She puts me cooking. <laughs> But you see what I'm talking about? You can have knowledge of something, but unless you do it, you don't have understanding. You understand after you do it. First you do it. Then the understanding comes. They talk about the rain descended and the floods came and winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Understanding. It didn't fall, you see. Even though the trials and troubles of life, wind blowing, did not fall. Understanding kept it. Wisdom, making right decisions, kept it. And that's what, brethren, as time goes on, we have better have that. God has given us sufficient time to prepare ourselves for what's coming. Now, whether or not I'll live, or my wife lives, or you live, what's so coming, but it's going to come... And people must have that understanding of what to do. They may have the knowledge, but the understanding of what to do is different. Now, he goes on and shows, But everyone who hears these things of mine does not do them, will be a foolish man, like a foolish man to build his house on the sand. Just heard, didn't do anything, didn't mean anything, didn't move him to do anything. At all. They weren't moved to do anything. And uh, I was telling somebody one time, Mr. Armstrong, back in the 1970s, he asked people, you know, go borrow some money. I won't say how much. And they needed that at headquarters. And people were complaining about that. And I said, uh, I don't care if Mr. Armstrong smokes what I give him. That's not my responsibility. My understanding is to be a part of God's work. His responsibility then is to God. If I do what I'm supposed to do, then God will be pleasing to that. If I give the widow's might, God will be pleasing. Then God will take care of me. Because I'm doing what God asked me to do with understanding. And so he he just shows here how important that is to have that mindset, teachable mind, a humble mind, that you're able to do it. A proud man, or woman, won't do it. They'll put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. And when things happen to them, they don't understand what happened. They can't understand it. What happened? And they begin to search for answers. Wanted to know why. Why? Why did this happen to me? What happened? See? So, Matthew 24, verse 45. Matthew 24, verse 45. Here he shows Christ is explaining who then is a faithful and wise servant. Whom his master has made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Okay, you see, it's talking about a wise servant has a responsibility. Is to bring in the food. Bring in the food. You see, like my mother used to tell my daddy one He said, "You bring it in and I'll cook it. You bring it in and I'll cook it, especially when we don't have anything." But you see, brethren, we are fed spiritual food. We bring it in. But you can't force people to eat it. You can't force people to do it. All you can do is bring the food to the table. And you may say, I'm not hungry. I'm full. Or I don't feel good. I don't know. But that's the responsibility of any servant over God's goods. Were you over God's good? Or I'm over God's good. That's our responsibility. And we're being judged as how we do it. Bringing in the food all of us together. Ready for the world. Preparing ourselves to take on the problems of the world when Jesus comes. And we will have more understanding of how to deal with the world outside than we do now. So blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. And I believe the living church of God, and all of you know, at the feast, you just saw the camaraderie, the love and maturity and encouragement that everybody had. It was not necessarily the feast site. It was the brethren. The brethren and the ministers associating, fellowshipping with the brethren, the brethren fellowshipping with each other. And God had to be pleased with that. So I think when we left there we all came back ready to rededicate our lives to what God has called us to do. Have the knowledge and not just try to find out what others are doing. What's important is what we're doing, brethren. What are we doing? That's important is is that the most important thing? It's what we're doing, not what others are doing. Surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all of his goods, because he's proven himself or herself to God. But if that evil servant says, In his heart, my master's land is coming, begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with them, are the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not, he's not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of. So we don't know when Christ is going to come. Nobody knows the day of the hour. Nobody can set that time. Only the Father set that time. Christ can't come back until the Father sends him. Nobody knows that. We don't know it. I've been looking for him for 50 years. And if I live another 50 years, I'll keep looking for him. Because that's what keeps you going. You know you have a job to do. And you know the job's not finished yet. And uh, God has that purpose. But nobody knows the day of the hour. I hope he... What if a person is drunk when he comes? What if a person is committing adultery when he comes? What if a person is stealing when he comes? The intent... What well, he plainly shows here an unwise person with no understanding, not caring, caught unaware, but had the knowledge that he was coming, but didn't prepare himself at all. Unwise. No understanding. See, Knowledge of him coming, but no understanding what to do When it does come in those situations. So that's why it's important then for us to remain faithful. Rulers over Christ's goods. God's elect in the end time. Would be living by faith. That's how we live by faith. Faith in the word of God. Faith in the understanding that we have proven. That we understand what God has for us. Why he called me, why he called you, an understanding, brethren. Nobody can take that from you at all. In Luke chapter 18, Luke 18, the rich man, he wanted to know how to be saved. Probably could his buy his way. I got a little money here. Can I buy my way? You know, I got status. I'm something special, you know. I got money. Nobody else has any. I got money. So I'm status here. Yeah, I got, uh, yeah, here I am. I'm, I'm important. And Jesus gave him, when he told him, about you lack one thing. He said, what is that? Sell everything out and give to the poor. Well, he didn't realize uh, he had put that money ahead of God. First commandment, what the commandment says, put it ahead of God. He couldn't give it up. He wanted to be saved. He wanted to know what he had to do to be saved. He asked the question. And Jesus said how hard it is anybody like that to be in the kingdom of god it's impossible with men but with god all things are possible all things that we cannot buy ourselves in the kingdom of god our status will not get us into the kingdom of god is that understanding he called the weak and the humble not the rich and the powerful not a status quo person that i'm important more important than anybody else not at all. i got more knowledge than anybody else. But what about understanding? We've had people, had knowledge. But there's no understanding, so it was false. It was false. Then Peter said, Lord, we've left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house of parents, Brothers or wife or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God. And that's the whole key, isn't it? That is our salvation. We leave a family that we love for another family that we can be born into. It is not easy to leave your parents. It's not easy to leave your wife or husband or job for Christ's sake. He shall, he said, who shall not receive many times more in present time? And in the age to come, eternal life. So when that age is coming, that time is coming, it's eternal life. But in the church, you see, we all, with the feast, at least in Gatlinburg and I'm sure everywhere else, it's like a family. Everybody's friendly, hugging, just like you've known everybody. Someone said, uh, told me, I said, I believe I've known you all my life. I said, I don't think so. (laughs) You wouldn't wouldn't hug me if you thought. But it's just that feeling there, family atmosphere. We left behind for something that's future-oriented. Now, we're always looking forward to the next Sabbath, to the next feast, saving our second tithe, preparing ourselves for the next feast see someone said uh, God help us to be there well it won't be God's fault if we don't save for it if we don't prepare ourselves for it we have understanding what we need to do see what we need to do and sometimes I go through the one has to go through uh, assistance for people and or feast assistance, And I asked them, they said, well, I didn't have enough money to save. I said, could you just save $10? Just prove that you were trying to save something for the feast. Or save a dollar. Just to prove something. Well, I don't make enough money to tithe. Well, just send in, if you make $10, send in a dollar to prove to God you understand that you have a responsibility to God. That we're not in it to get, we're in it to give. If we can see we are givers of ourselves as much as we would be our family who hasn't been called, then God blesses us. Our faith increases. Our understanding increases. We grow in wisdom and power and God's Holy Spirit with that understanding that God has called us to understand. So in Luke 18, it, just, it talks about, for the elect's sake, God will cut time to short. And we'll just mention what an elect is. is one who's been called out of the world, you know, drawing closer to God through power. And I think all of us surely have grown Closer to God these past ten days, closer to God, and you can tell it. I mentioned the feast; you can almost taste that world is coming. Just taste it; it's different. Everything is different to the Christian. However, brother, there are many, are going to be many trials and tests that we will be facing from now, in the return of Jesus Christ to test our mettle. I don't know yet what I'm going to be tested on. I'm just hoping, praying, that I can do it. Whatever I'm asked to do, that I can do it. So what would it make you take to fall away then? Why would you fall away? If you have understanding of what you're supposed to do, does that mean you don't want to do it? I still want to be in God's kingdom, but I don't want to do it. So Lucifer was the first one to fall away. What made him fall away? He had everything. There was no sin at that time. They were happy. What made him do it? he fall away. Well, he got bored apparently. He wanted to be like God. He couldn't be God. He wanted to be like him. He wasn't satisfied after a while. He became bored, apparently. Just like people in the church, they become bored. I've heard the sermons. I've heard this. I've heard that. I've heard this. It's in their minds wonder. we become bored. Instead of pushing ourselves to pray more, even if it's two more minutes. So we're not bored. where well, we are serving in the church. We are helping our widows and orphans and others to be a light. Or we can be bored. Just got to go to church. Let me see, does my head hurt me today? It does, yeah. It does. But you see what I'm talking about. You can become bored if you're not careful. It's easy to become bored when you get back thinking about the world and yourself Minds on self instead of God. Minds on your unconverted family instead of God. Willing to do more for the unconverted family than for God. I'm not saying we forsake them, but when it comes to God, we obey Him at all costs. So now we have an opportunity after this feast to prepare for the the next Feast of Tabernacles by saving, saving money. Asking God to give us the finances, our job, that we can earn it. Earn that, and when you earn something, you appreciate it more. We earn it. I remember when I first came in, you'd have widows scrubbing floors and babysitting and doing whatever they could to just earn a little money so they could go to the feast. Whatever it took, that's what they did. They wanted to pay their way, they wanted that. They didn't want anybody to feel sorry for them or have pity. They wanted to earn that, and I can I know several widows who did that. So we get in a habit of welfare system that somebody's going to take care of me, and I don't have to worry until that time comes. Then a panic. And wouldn't it be better if you saved a dollar a week or whatever, whatever you can save just for your own character, understanding that the feast is going to be here next year? We have to prepare for it now. God said he'd prosper us. We can rejoice because we know it's going to prosper us this coming coming cycle. We'll be prosperous. God promises that to the giver, to the understanding person, what he or she has to do to prepare themselves to meet with God at the Feast of Tabernacles next year. You're meeting God at the Feast of Tabernacles next year for eight days. So what would it make us take to fall away? Lucifer disagreed with God's government. He didn't want any rule over him, apparently. He couldn't rule himself. I guess he thought he could rule himself. He didn't want any teachers to teach him. that could give him better understanding. He didn't want that to happen to him. So look what a mess he's in. Miserable. Look, look at the world today, the way it is. Under his influence. That's why you and I need to be leaders when Christ comes to to relieve people of all that suffering. We've been called out of it to learn and understand what God wants for all mankind. And so, he disagreed with God's government. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 8 you go back and you see what God says, chapter 8, God always tells us to remember something. Go back. Go back to the beginning. I asked the question, please. I said, you need to go back. and When did God call you? How he called you? Where were you? Go back to the beginning of your calling and think about it. So, verse 2, You shall remember that the eternal your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness for what purpose? To humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And we know what was in their heart that generation murmured, complained, and griped, and all of that was in their heart. And God said, I'm testing you. See what you're going to do, whether or not you trust me. I brought you out of slavery. You were a bunch of slaves. You couldn't even defend yourself. I brought you out to be your God, to prove to the world that I could take a bunch of slaves and make a nation out of it. So all the other nations can see by your obedience to my law, my statutes and judgments, how you will prosper and be blessed. So Moses was trying to help them to remember, as long as he was alive, what God had done. So he humbled you, allowed you to go to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Or did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone? Didn't Christ quote that? Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word of God. Now what if this is the lay of the sin, church? Remember, remember that I'm testing you to see what is in your heart. That I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now you don't have anything be a bunch of slaves or dead that man does not live by bread alone I am rich rich and increased with goods and have need nothing my belly is full I've got all this water in the basement in case something happens I've got all this food stored and ready but he says remember you don't live by bread alone But every word of God, and Jesus told that to Satan as well. Your garments did not wear out or on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Well, can God keep his place of safety? Can he feed us? Do we need to change the clothes? What do we need if God is there for us? If we've been tested, that we're able to do without food, fasting, to do his work, not deny his name, keep his word. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Well, why does God chasten us then? Why did he chasten them? In verse 6, therefore you shall keep the commandments, to see if they would keep the commandments. And that's what the chastening is all about. Are we going to keep God's commandments? See, It depends on the degree we break them. It's the chastening. You know, if you had your son to come up to you and say, Daddy, I want you to know I'm real sorry. I want you to whip me. I stole a dollar. Now, would you whip your son over that? Or would you thank him for being honest and not lying? Not being deceitful. And God chastens us to see if we will commit keep His commandments. Is He the Lord our God? Is Jesus Christ really the head of the church? He is your Savior for food, clothing, and shelter. As you seek God's kingdom, He promises you and me food, clothing, and shelter. We don't have to worry about that. Do we? Do we have to just Worry about those things. What are we going to eat tomorrow? Tomorrow's not here yet. Or what about clothes? Can God do that? Is anything too hard for God, anything impossible for God? Only the elect people will find faith in. The elect, the chosen ones. Has proven themselves. They have not denied the name of Christ. They kept his word. Government and word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. And we're all striving for that. And we've been admonished. How many times? Feed on this book. Study this book. Do we understand it? Why? Do we do it? Or we put it off. And we got all that water in the basement in case it. all that food in the pantry. Even got some whole wheat buried somewhere. Does God want us to be that way? Or sure, we need to prepare for hard times or whatever. But God is the one who's responsible. If He fed all those people in the wilderness, surely He can feed me and my wife. Does it take any more power to feed, you know, my wife and me than feeding all those people in the wilderness? And they still murmured and complained and grumbled and griped. It's like an old pig gets under an acorn tree. They fall all over him, you know, and he never looks up to see where they're coming from. He's the acorn, never can't think the tree. Never looks up. Where are they coming from? So we've been a to look up. Keep your eyes above. On permanent things. And God will take care of the rest. And I believe, brethren, that God is going to give us more faith. More power. We've been asked to pray for it. More power to the work. As Meredith had mentioned that several times. Pray. For the work of God, lift up your hands and ask God to give us the power, the finances we need to reach other people with the message that we've been, that we've received. For the Lord your God, verse seven, is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, fountains, and springs that flow out of the valley and hills. And that's what's going to happen in the next slavery. He's going to bring them into a land. Plenty. They'll understand it more. And they'll be sorry for what they did. Weeping and crying and begging and pleading. That God is the source of everything. Food, clothing, and shelter. If we'd only sought His kingdom as much as I sought the food, clothing, and shelter. Sought His kingdom first. With all of our being as we would food. So it's a land of wheat, barley, of vines, and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olives and honey, a land which you will eat bread without scarceness, and which you will lack like nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And God kept His word to the United States of America, to London, Wells. What's our two Main things milk and honey. Milk and honey. Barley, you name it all, we have plenty of it. We did until people started worshiping that and forgot about the true God who gives it and understanding that. Let's turn back to uh first Chronicles chapter one verse sixteen. Now when you think about David, from a shepherd to a king. A shepherd boy, taking care of the sheep, ordained to be a king. Knew nothing about being a king. Tested by Saul. See whether or not he would try to overthrow Saul. He can say, well, I'm just as good as you are, Saul, I'm a king too. You've already disqualified yourself. No, he never lifted up his hand to Saul. He was tested by God and see what he would do and how that he would act as a king. And he proved himself. He proved himself to God that he would be faithful and he would honor God. So uh, 1 Chron- Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1. Now they were bringing in the ark or the covenant. And it was a happy day for them singing and dancing and joy and peace and nobody was ashamed they was happy to bring that in in verse one so they brought the ark of god and set it in the midst of the tabernacles that david had erected for it then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before god you see they brought that to god thanking god now they had the ark of the covenant and when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the eternal. Then he distributed to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread, piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. Now that wasn't much. But you see, I don't know if they were hungry. Good things were happening to them. Good things were happening So he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord. See, there again is how a person is appointed to be a minister. He's appointed. It's not status. He's appointed to do something for the people. And he names these, you know, to commemorate the God and thank God and praise God. And that was their job. Not to be all proud and afraid to say anything or just afraid to laugh or afraid to thank God that, you know, that, thank God. He's, uh, sometimes, brethren, I wonder if we're just not too tight all the time. We can't relax and enjoy life as God gives it to us. Like they did. Now, God didn't condemn them. Now, Mr. Meredith said we need to applaud for the special music. All right, I know some say, oh, why should we have to applaud? Well, we're not enjoying it. Enjoy things that God has for us. It's been prepared, been appointed to play or sing for us. We're not enjoying it. The lady who sang that uh, piece in the valley down at the feast. It was, it was very, very good. I mean, it was good. Everybody just, you know, really went wild over that. And it, it had truth to it. Isaiah talks about it. Lamb and the lion lying down together. It won't be very long. No situations. So here's the psalm that was given to be read. Oh, give thanks to the Eternal. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Right, that's what usually a minister will do, is how God is blessed, how ministers started out probably, how he's been blessed, how the work has been blessed, the difficulties. Make known those deeds. Make known that to the people, as the psalmist says. Sing to him, psalms to him. Talk of all of his wonders, works. Glory his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the eternal. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face evermore, verse 11. Remember His marvelous works, which He has done, His wonders, and the judgments of His mouth. O seed of Israel, His servant, you children of Jacob, His chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are upon all the earth. And that's what we say about the living church of God. Chosen ones... Hallelujah. Thank God that I'm chosen. Not that I'm about to shout. But thank God that we are. That we talk with authority and power when we talk about God. God's not weak. We don't serve a weak God. That we just have to be afraid to talk. He loves to hear us talk about Him. His wondrous works and deeds. I like to hear people talk about it. And I know you too. Remember His covenant forever. Okay, what covenant did He make with you? What is His covenant to you? He said, remember it. Remember the covenant that He's made with you. Don't forget it. It's understanding in that covenant. If we obey it. With it. Covenant he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan. Okay, it's everlasting, isn't it? I will give that to you. Not that you earn it, I will give it to you. I have made a covenant with Abraham. Christ came to confirm the covenant that through His seed every nation would be blessed, and that is going to take place. He confirmed to Jacob a statute, verse eighteen, well, verse nineteen, and he went back and rehearsed when you were few in number, indeed very few, strangers in it, when they went from nation to nations, and another from from kingdom to another. People, he permitted no man to to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. What if he were to send us over to Muslim countries? He would command them, Don't you touch my chosen ones. Don't you do this. And that's probably what Abraham was facing. Don't you do it. And so he was rehearsing this to the people, went back to the beginning, showing how great God is, how his chosen ones didn't have a nation. They were strangers and pilgrims, going from one place to the next. By the time he were settled here, they'd pick up and go somewhere else. And no one hurt them. Why? Because the fear of God was on them. God was leading them and they were following God. And God put fear on them. We need to pray that God will put a fear on our house. To keep these crazy things from coming in or demons or strangers that would harm our people. That the fear would be there. And people will say they are Christians. I'm not fooling with them. And that is going to come, brethren. God is going to make a difference. He's going to show those who are His. Those who have not denied, are not denying His name and keeping His word. That we live by every word, every word that's been spoken. So he goes on. That's just a good psalm to read and just show how that he wanted everybody to thank God for what he's done. For Abraham for Isaac and Jacob and the prophets and Joseph just like we do in our prayer thank God for the faithful men and women of old who risked their lives for the word of God for us that we can read the hardships and dangers and what they went through we can read all that how they were stoned, cut in two so they're So we could preach about them, talk about their good works. Why God allowed it. Why He did that. And I think we, as more we meditate on those things, the more God is going to help us to see how great He is. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered or established by the eternal, and he delights in his way. Even though we may stumble, fall from time to time, God is there to pick us up. He knows we're going to stumble. We are human, we do grow older. We do have aches and pains, but we can remember our youth when we didn't have them, what we used to do, what we did do. He's established, though he fall, you see. He should not be utterly cast down for the eternal to oppose him with his hand. I've been young and now old. I have not yet seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. And that's what David said. And they didn't have a and P and Harris Teeters and all of that we have today, McDonald's and all of that. But they always had plenty to eat. Apparently, they always had plenty to eat. God saw that to His nation. He did that. David said, "I've been young, and now old. He's never seen his descendants." Begging bread. And I believe with all of my heart, a person who tithes, gives God what belongs to him, will never go hungry, will never beg, because they trust God to be the provider. They seek the kingdom of God first, and all these other things are given to them, according to what Jesus said. It's a great contract, isn't it? You pay the tithe, you seek the kingdom of God, and I'll give you food, clothing, and shelter. What kind of insurance policy is that? So when time comes, a food shortage, remember, we have to wait. We have to wait on God. And I've told this before, this uh, single mother with uh, three kids. And they had no food in her house. He sat at the table with no food. And they all knelt down to God and prayed and asked God, said, God, I don't want to beg. You promised. You promised you would give us food. And he looked up, and there was a station wagon backing up in her driveway. And guess what was in that station wagon? Station wagon of food. Now, what if she hadn't ask? It would just pass by. If you don't ask, you don't receive. Right? It passes you by. God's got all these blessings, all these things coming our way. But if we don't ask, it just passes us by. Then we murmur and we complain. So it's God's job is to look after us if we obey Him. That's His job. If we obey Him. So that's why verse 37 said, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, teenagers, young people. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. So that's what God says. It's, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the future to of the wicked shall be cut off. And that's why that. We mark those who are righteous, we watch their lives, with we, we understand that we follow them as they follow Christ, and it ends the way of peace. You have somebody a model, a paragon, to see that Christian life in that individual, and understand what what causes him to have that kind of faith. Now verse, verse um uh, twenty eight For the Lord loves justice and his saints and does not forsake his saints. All right, there is again his knowledge. But do we understand that? Is God a liar? Can he be trusted? Are we afraid to trust him? It does not forsake his saints. That's over and over in the Bible. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Forever. As long as condition lasts. Now those are just some of the promises that God has promised you and me. We can over we don't have to do them. Let the blessings just pass us by without asking, without receiving, without this. But you see, you've got to do something first. You've got to seek God's kingdom first. That's what we have to do first. Then he says this he will take care of us. God has always taken care of his work. Always taking care of his work. And he'll always do that. As long as there's a work on earth, God's going to take care of it. Whatever it takes, it'll be taken care of. Why? Because God commands us to do it. And he's testing us to see whether or not we're going to do it or not. Are we going to just talk and murmur and all of this and all of that, what others are doing and not doing, why so-and-so this? Why so-and-so that? No, we've got to think about the future. Not the past, except for the good things of the past. But remember those things. And they give you peace when you think about the good things that God has done. So God is no respected person at all. Now Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4. Okay, verse 18, Proverbs 4, verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun. Let's think about that. Always light. Nothing can cause you to stumble. Nothing can cause you to trip. It's a shining light that God has given to us to walk in. That we can see what others can't see. We can go where others can't go in this shining path and light that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Now, don't you think you see a little bit more now than you did when you first went to the feast? Is the light brighter for you? Can you see better? That's what He promises us. The light that we can see where we're going, the path of life, where there's no darkness in that, or no night in that path of light. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're going to do. They do what they, whatever they can do. Stumbling and round and falling and down and all of this and blaming others and criticizing others and and saying these things, you know, I'm not fed, I don't know, I don't know if I want to go back, I don't know this, I don't. You see, they're in darkness. If they had the understanding, which is light, they would understand things. Eventually, rather than the ministry understands things that you don't understand right off the bat. But you have to believe that God is have them in that shining light, that they know where they're going, and you follow, and you begin to see the light. You'll begin to understand. See? Understand more so. Now why do I know that? It's because I was a lay member and I've been a minister. As a minister, God gave me a light that I could see. He gave me understanding. Because I did certain things. I wasn't trying to be a minister. I didn't desire that status. I saw what they were going through. And I certainly didn't want to go through you know go, you know the sacrifices they were making. Do you realise, brethren, how much sacrifice ministers have made for you? And some people think, well, you bring them in so you throw them out. You work hours helping people for you, to help you to see where you stand with Christ, where you stand. They teach you God's way of life. They love you. Now, we may come across sometimes truthful, and truth hurts, but it's because we love you. It's not because we hate you by any means. And we want you to have understanding. Just don't accept any foolish thing, any wind of doctrine, of doctrines of demons. There is no understanding in that. It's just confusion. There's no fruit to that. It's all helping people to understand God's way of life so they can teach it, get in that path of light instead of the path of darkness. So he's saying here, uh, uh, the path of the just those have been justified they Have that path of life. And thank God for that, that we know where we're going and we understand that, where we're going. So you see, brethren, we must become perfect. We're not perfect yet, but we're on the path of perfection, in the light, to see our flaws, to understand our mistakes, that we maybe have been in darkness and didn't know it, Maybe we have made some foolish decisions without understanding. Maybe we have offended somebody without knowing it. But in the path of life, we can apologize and say, if I said that, I did that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you misunderstood me. So he's showing here that we're not perfect, but our path is toward God's kingdom. That's our goal. That's our hope, is the kingdom of God. If we gain the whole world and miss out on that, what is it profit? What have you gained if we gain the whole world? In Luke chapter 22, Luke 22. Verse 31 of Luke 22. made mentioned this a while ago, and the Lord said Simon, Simon, indeed, Simon had asked for you that he may you may shift you, sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your fate should not fall. He didn't say I prayed that he wouldn't do it. He said I prayed that your fate, that your faith see, so would not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Okay, that's why Satan won him. He said, I prayed, okay, he's going to get you. He's going to take care of you. I pray that your fate will not fail. And you know, Simon, he went back fishing. They were fishing all night. Christ had uh, breakfast ready for them. Remember, Christ said, uh, Simon, uh, cast down on the other side. See, Christ knew where the fish were. He had no problem with that. He knew where they were. So Peter obeyed that. Caught a bunch of fish, maybe 150. And Christ said, bring some of those fish up here to me. So here came Peter, with that fish, dragging it up to Christ. Could be, he said, do you love me more than these? Could it could be talking about the fish or talking about the apostles? He'd gone back fishing. He left his job. He's supposed to have been fishers of men. Fishers of men, you see. But he went back fishing. Why? Because that's all he knew. He thought his Savior was dead. And yet his Savior was waiting on the beach to cook his breakfast. So Peter Peter then became faithful. His faith did not fail. Even though Satan got a hold of it. It wasn't God driving him back there at all. So he repented of what he had done. Peter did. And never did do that again. That's what the Bible said. You understand? So we are adding fruit. Whatever trial or test that you may face, Remember it is for the purpose of saving us. It's for the purpose of that. You learn from it, the mistakes you made. God is faithful to put us in his kingdom. He told Joshua to have the courage, he said Joshua, you divide out the land. I'm not going to divide you divide it out. You be strong in dividing that out. Now some may not like it, but you gotta be strong. With good courage. Like a man. And so Joshua did. What he said. Now they argue a foot or a yard or a line or what. He said, you divide it. You divide it. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You do that for me, Joshua. Only you be strong in doing that. Don't be a coward. Be strong. In that situation. So we too, brethren, must hold the traditions of the church for our own salvation. What we've been taught. We have to be strong in that. No matter what comes your way. You can't blame anybody. Just blame yourself that nobody's going to take your crown from you. That you're going to stay with the church of God as long as it teaches God's way of life. And it will teach God's way of life. The church of God will. So look how many prophets of old died, suffered for our sake, that we may read about them, talk about them, write about them, preach about them, and understanding what they went through for all of us. We get the word on down to the end of the Look what we know, brethren. They didn't know what we know. How much knowledge we have, how much it's increased. So let's ask God, as we put it into practice, let's ask him to give us wisdom, the understanding we need to even learn more about God and his way of life.